going to get right into it. If you would turn with me to the Old Testament, to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 22. We're going to read 22 through 27. But as you can see, this sermon series is on fear. And what we're going to talk about today is how one of God's prophets handled his own fears. All right? 1 Kings 18, 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves, cut it up, place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I'll prepare the other ox, lay it on the wood, and I will not put fire under it. Then you call the name of your God and I'll call the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire he is God. And all the people said, huh, that's a, that's a good idea. You take your ox, call to your God. I'm going to take my ox, call to my God. And the God that answers with fire, that is the true God. So verse 26, they, the prophets of Baal, took the ox which was given to them. They prepared it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. I'm assuming that's how they said it. I don't know. Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they leaped about the altar that they made. And it came about noon. Elijah mocked them, saying, call out with a loud voice, for he's a god. Either he's occupied or gone aside or on a journey, or perhaps he's asleep and he needs to be awakened. Now, Elijah is bold. He's confident in this. There's 450 to his one. But he knew the threat wasn't real. Baal held no power. They might as well have been praying to the, the genie from Aladdin, right? Does that genie have a name or is he just called genie? Does he? Genie. They might as well have been doing that, right? Because there's nothing there. Nothing was going to come. Nothing was going to happen. He was bold. He was confident. He was assertive in this case. The threat to Elijah wasn't real at all. Verse 29. When midday had passed, they had raved until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So follow this. From morning until evening, they were running around. The Bible says they were cutting themselves. They were yelling. They were screaming all day long. Nothing happened at all, period. Now, I got a question. Does anybody do any of those like wilderness survival things? I'm talking about like normal camping. I'm talking about like going out in the woods with like limited supplies and like living off the land. Has anybody done any of that? Anybody here? Okay, no one. All right, perfect. Well, I don't do that either. So if you find me in the woods without supplies or anything else, something is extremely wrong, call someone, get somebody out, search and rescue, etc. But my wife and I like to watch some of those survival shows in the comfort of our own homes, on our couch, everything else. And we always debate on what we would do in those situations, right? Well, I would do this, or I would have killed this animal, or I would have ran with this, you know, all this crazy stuff that I would never do. But inevitably, there's one show that we watch that people get two survival items. They'll bring either a machete, a fire starter, a pot, rope, something like that. Well, 
I always get upset and I, and I yell. I was like, oh, they're going to lose a challenge because if they don't bring a fire starter, some guy says, well, I have primitive fire skills and I've got a bow drill and you see him there for two days trying to start a fire. Nothing happens. He's just going after it and everything else. And the issue is, even with a fire starter, some people can't find dry enough wood to start a fire. So, you know, they're two days trying to find dry wood. They can't find what they need to start a fire. Without a fire in a, in a survival situation, can't purify your water, can't cook your food, can't ward off bears or tigers, whatever else is in the, in the jungle in their survival situation, right? What does this have to do with the story? Follow what Elijah does in verse 34. He's rebuilt the altar by this point in time. He's rebuilt the altar. Baal's prophets have, nothing's happened at all. Rebuilt the altar, put stones around the altar, and dug a trench around his sacrifice. Verse 34, and he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering on the wood. He said, do it a second time. They did it a second time. Do it a third time. They did it a third time. Then the water flowed around and, or, and, and the water flowed around the altar and filled the trench with water. So this is completely soaked. The wood, the ox, the trench, everything is soaked with water. Why? Why did he do that? If you think about, if I have primitive fire skills, I have a fire starter, etc., maybe I personally could have figured out a way to start that fire with dry enough wood, the right conditions, something would happen. But let's get back to the verse, verse 36. At the, time of the, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the woods and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Think about that awesome display of God's power. Wet wood, wet sacrifice. Not only did God consume all that, he consumed the water as well. This is unmistakably an act of God. There's no way for Elijah to figure out a way through his own human will to figure this out. God had to show up in this scenario. So a few things we can learn from Elijah. He faced a threat. The threat was not real right? Baal was not real. The prophets had no power, but Elijah had to first have faith that God was real. He had to have faith. That was the first thing that Elijah did was have faith that the God he was praying to was actually real. The second thing Elijah did, he found God in the solution versus fear in the problem. See, Elijah could have thought sometimes like we do. All right, God, I know you're real, but just in case you don't show up, 
Do I take off running? Do I call? What, what, what can I do just in case? What's my kind of contingency plan? He had to have faith in this moment that God was real. He focused on finding God in the solution versus fear in his problem. The same promise that God gave to Elijah, he gave through us. He gave to us through Jesus Christ. John 16, says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. It didn't say me you may have contingency plans or anxiety or fear or anything else. In me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. What Jesus is saying is, find me in your trouble. Find me in your hard times. Find me when you're anxious. Find me when you're faced against 450 to 1 and the odds are stacked up against you. Find me. Find peace in me. Okay? So now, let's go back to our buddy Elijah. Immediately after the people fell on their face and realized that this act of God, this is unmistakably the Lord and we should worship him. Elijah has those 450 prophets of Baal put to death, has them executed. Word of that gets back to Queen Jezebel. She's the queen of Israel at this time. Jezebel is infuriated. She is upset that this guy, this person, had the audacity to do this in her kingdom. So she sends a message to Elijah and says, Elijah, so help me, by this time tomorrow, you are going to meet the same fate of those 450 prophets. In other words, Elijah, I'm coming for you. I'm going to kill you. Okay? Now, Elijah's already seen this, this 450 to 1. He's already done these great things. He's already saw God show up. Let's look at what Elijah does in the very next chapter. 1 Kings 19, 3 through 4. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Now, hold on. Okay. I just saw God show up, consume an ox, water, stones, dust, everything else with fire. Somebody who's not even in my face, nowhere near me, sends me an email saying, I am going to kill you. And you get so scared that you run for your life. The thought would be, okay, why not just do the same thing you just did in the chapter before? Why are you afraid? Why are you running for your life? Let's continue. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came upon a broom brush, sat underneath it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. He gets a threat. The same threat is not real. Elijah takes off, runs through the wilderness, leaves his servant, goes out, sits under a bush and says, God, kill me. That's a scary place to be in. Because in that moment, Elijah's fear 
was more real to him than God was. That fear is real. We've all felt it. That anxiety is real. We've all felt it. Depression is real. We've all felt it. We've all been alone in the desert. We've all been in a place where we feel like, ah, I don't know what else to do. Because in that moment, Elijah's fear was more real to him than God was. So just like before, there was a couple things that we can learn that Elijah did right in that circumstance. There's a couple things that Elijah did incorrectly here. Point number one, he ran. When we get fear in our hearts, when we get anxiety, what do we run from? Or more importantly, what do we run to? I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit anxious. Let me, let me, let me grab a drink to kind of calm my nerves down. Or let me pop a couple pills to kind of relax things a little bit, take the edge off. Or let me go out and find that person that makes me feel right in that certain way. Let me run to all these different things that I could run to instead of running towards God and trying to find that solution in him. So the first thing Elijah did incorrectly was he ran. He panicked. He ran. Point number two, isolation. He intentionally left his servant and walked off by himself into the desert. Now, Sometimes we get a little bit nervous and, and afraid and we build a wall, right? We build this protection. You know, maybe he was saying, I, I want to protect you, servant, just in case, well, Jezebel kills me. I don't want you to die too. So, so, so just get away from me. He builds this wall of isolation. But what if his servant would have said, Elijah, come on, man. You know what we just saw God do? He can do this again. He can show up for us. He may have, Elijah may have been getting rid of someone to help him, to support him, to, to be that person, to, to help him get to where he needed to be. But he couldn't do that if he was away from him, right? He isolated himself. He didn't have support. He didn't have help. He didn't have someone there to encourage him in this troubling time. Third thing Elijah did, he quit. He gave up. Maybe he was tired of living right. Maybe he was saying, I'm tired of being an example. I'm tired of all these people, you know, turning away from you and worshiping stone and wood and brass and everything else. You are real. And I keep telling them this, but they keep going back. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of doing your work and then having this woman come and tell me she's going to kill me. That's not fair, God. I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. Take my life. Just be done with it. Do we sometimes, that fear gets so intense, we get so down, we get so depressed, and we just, God, I, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done living for you. I'm done doing this. I'm done. I quit. Because at this point in time, my depression, my fear, my anxiety is more real to me than you are. And that's a scary place to be in. It'd be easy for me to say, you know what, Elijah just should have prayed. 
He could have solved that. He could have just prayed the fear away. Fear not, just pray. It could be easy for me to end this sermon and say, anytime you get scared, just pray. That's it. Let's be clear. Prayer does work. God can show up in that instant. Take your fear, anxiety, everything away. But what do you do when your fear is more real to you than God is? What do you do? How do you react? What steps do you take? How do you react when your fear is more real to you than God is? I've got a story about me. Um, I have three daughters, three beautiful daughters. Um, They all look beautiful like their mother. Fortunately, none of them look like me, which is an awesome thing. Um, My youngest is 18 months. We took her to the doctor. Actually, we were at a softball game, my middle daughter's softball game, and my mother-in-law says, hey, it looks like your baby has chicken pox. My mother-in-law is an ER nurse, but I said, no way she has chicken pox. She had the vaccine. You don't know what you're talking about. You're an ER nurse, but I know what I'm talking about. She didn't have chicken pox. So we take the baby to the doctor. Doctor says, huh, she has chicken pox. Okay. Baby has chicken pox. Take the baby home. About a week later, we realize this is unlike any chicken pox. I've had chicken pox. My wife had chicken pox. This is unlike any chicken pox we'd ever seen. Take the baby back to the doctor. Now, I've known this doctor for almost 12 years. Takes a look at the baby and says, yeah, this isn't chicken pox, right? Puts the baby down, walks out of the room. Well, that was weird. Comes back in the room. He has a book now. Now, I don't know if any, most of everybody's been to the doctor. Has a doctor ever walked into your room with a book trying to look through things? (laughs) He opens up the book and literally starts kind of guessing at what she may or may not have, asking us all these questions, puts the book down, goes out, gets another doctor. Other doctor comes in as a dermatologist. Dermatologist looks at the baby. This is in chicken pox. Okay, we've established that. What is this? Dermatologist looks at the baby. I don't know what this is. Puts the baby down. Call another doctor. Now we have a, a pediatric dermatologist specialist come in, looks at the baby. She starts guessing again. Nobody knows what my baby has. Now, that fear is real to me, right? Psychologists refer to this as ants, automatic negative thoughts. My mind instantly started thinking, okay, my baby is gonna die now. We all have this incurable disease. We're all gonna die. All these things are gonna go wrong immediately. That's where my mind went. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm afraid. I did not once think, you know what, Charles? Just relax. Just pray. I didn't once think that God loves this baby more than I ever could. God has a strategic purpose for this baby's life. And the fact that I am concerned or fearful about a a human being that I didn't create, that I can't love as much as you can, and I'm trying to fix something that you are in control of, and I'm nervous and I'm afraid and I'm scared, I'm thinking all these negative things, all these negative outcomes, prayer wasn't the first thing in my mind because at that moment, my fear, my anxiety was more real to me 
than my faith in God was. So for me to just say, hey, you know what? Pray. Sometimes our minds don't immediately go there. Now, even me thinking about praying to God, when I'm telling you this story, I got a little bit calmer when I said, you know, he loves this baby more than I do. Like, my naturally just thinking about God, how much he loves my child, calmed me down. I wish I could have done that in that case. But I didn't. I panicked. I freaked out. I got scared. We all do that. Fear is real. I've never said that fear is not real. But how do you handle the fear? Do you allow it to take you in that downward spiral like you did with Elijah to where you find yourself alone in the wilderness? Or do you do what Elijah did in the first case, knowing that God is real and have faith in God and try to find God in that solution versus finding fear in the problems? The choice is yours, but the fear is real. How do you navigate it? Again, let's go back to John 16, 33, because God has a solution for our fears. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, take heart. That means be confident, be courageous. Just like Elijah was mocking the prophets of Baal, he was confident, he was courageous. He took heart. He knew that God had already overcome his problems for him. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Be courageous. Be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So today, I want to address a couple of people here in the room. First person, you say, you know what, Charles? I understand. I'm tired of being fearful. I'm tired of being anxious. You know, I'm, I'm tired of all that stuff. I hate that feeling. I hate feeling like, like things are out of control. But I don't have a relationship with God. You're telling me to have faith in God and know that God's real. I don't have that relationship with him, but I'd like to. Well, we're here to support you in that. At the end of the service, if you'd like to, we'll have prayer counselors here in the prayer room. We'd like to pray for you on how you have a relationship with God. And not only just that prayer, but how you begin to live your life on mission for him. Because Jesus wants you to have peace. He doesn't want you to to go up and down with the troubles of the world. He wants you to have peace in him. But you have to have a relationship with him to have that peace. Second set of people I would like to address are people who struggle with maybe it's fear, anxiety, et cetera, and, and maybe you need techniques or, or some type of understanding or some type of support to overcome that. We have Christian counselors that we can set you up with that can do something as simple as giving you breathing techniques to calm yourself down or giving you different passages to help you out, things that really can actually help you in your fearful moments. If you need help with that, again, write that on your Connect cards. We can get that set up. If you need financial support in that, let us know. We can get that set up. We also have groups here, small groups, outposts, et cetera. Surround yourself around people who can help you through the things that you're going through. Unlike Elijah, who isolated himself and that fear became worse and worse, you've got godly Christian people here who can help you out. We're here to support you. 
You're not alone. Third group of people that I'd like to address are people who simply need to pray. They need to pray. They have that relationship with God, but when fear comes, a troubling situation comes, they focus on that problem instead of finding God in that solution. That prayer that came from Elijah, he didn't run around, he didn't cut himself, he didn't do any things that the prophets of Baal did. He prayed a simple prayer to God, and God showed up for him. He showed up for him in his moment of need. God loves you the exact same as he loves Elijah, and he is here for you. The question is, will you allow him to be more real to you than your fears are? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here to speak, Lord God. I thank you for all of those who you minister to, Lord God. I thank you for the promises that you have, Lord God, that we should live in peace. You've already overcome our troubles, Lord God. You've already sacrificed your son so that we don't have to be bound by a spirit of fear, a spirit of depression, a spirit of anxiety. We don't have to accept that. You've already broken those chains for us, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you are here in our hearts, in our midst, Lord God, and I pray for those those three scenarios that I talked about, Lord God, that you show up for each and every one of them. Lord God, those who need a relationship with you, those who need help overcoming their fears, and those who simply just need to rely on you in every aspect of your life. I thank you that you're here for us all. In Jesus' name, amen.